The following program does not necessarily represent the views and opinions of Reality Radio 101, its advertisers and sponsors, or its listening audience. Listener discretion is advised. The following program is a past-recorded broadcast of the Urban Forestry Radio Show and is not accepting emails or telephone calls. When you hear our contact information on the air, please do not write or call us. Thank you for your continued listenership to Reality Radio 101, where we are connecting the world. Welcome to the Urban Forestry Radio Show, here on Reality Radio 101. In this radio show and podcast, we learn about fruit trees, permaculture, arboriculture, and so much more. So if you love trees, and especially fruit trees, or if you're interested in living a more sustainable life, then this is the place for you. I'm your host, Susan Poisner of the Fruit Tree Care Training website, OrchardPeople.com. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Urban Forestry Radio Show with your host, Susan Poisner. To contact Susan live right now, send her an email in studio101 at gmail.com. Hi everyone, there are some edible plants that you really want in your community. It's great to grow fruit trees that can produce apples or plums or oranges or lemons, but there are some plants that are somewhat less desirable, and one of them might be the autumn olive. You see, the thing about autumn olives is that they actually produce a really delicious and nutritious fruit. So why don't we want them around? Well, autumn olives are invasive plants here in North America. They spread like gangbusters and take over large areas, pulling out more of our native plants and trees. So, what is the solution? My guest today on this pre-recorded episode of the Urban Forestry Radio Show and Podcast is Dustin Kelly, and his belief is that we can solve the autumn olive problem by eating the fruit making it into jams, jellies, and fruit leathers, and he's going to tell us all about it. Now, if this show sounds a little different, it's because it's being recorded in Illinois, the state where Dustin Kelly works, his autumn olive magic. Dustin, thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you. So tell me a little bit about autumn olives. Is it a plant? Is it a tree? What is this thing? Well, it's a shrub. It's a, it can grow up to about 14, 15 feet tall and spread wide up to about a 20 foot canopy. It's a intentionally introduced exotic species from Asia. Um, I'm not exactly sure when it came over. Some records show in the 1880s as early as that. Others say the 1930s and 40s. What we do know is that through the 50s, 60s, and 70s, there was a campaign of 
heavily planting and growing and spreading this species. The scientists, the conservationists of that era thought that this would be a good plant to have all across the Midwest and the Northeast. They planted it for conservation purposes, to create places where birds and wildlife would flock to. They planted it for windbreaks, and after a mine was created, they would plant these trees to basically bring it back to green, so that the rocky soil would not erode into the riverways, but instead would be held by the roots of the autumn olive. And the great thing is it worked. It worked all across the country. The, the trees did what they should have. But what they did, shouldn't have done was kept on spreading. The trees spread have a lot of fruit that the birds love to eat, and when they spread it, it creates a new tree, a genetically different tree, and with enough of those spreading, soon they became adapted to North American climate, soils, and were able to spread by themselves. So with that, they got the exotic categorization, and since then, there's been basically a war against this species. Well, why? I mean, what's such a bad thing? They're a plant, they're feeding the birds, they, um, you know, as we'll discuss, they provide nutritious fruit. Why is this such a bad thing? Why are people making a fuss? Well, one problem is that they can crowd out other species. Once they get into an area, they're very good at spreading wide, covering the ground, dissuading other plants from emerging. Another thing is that they don't really provide much leaf fodder for insects. They do provide a lot of nectar for the uh, for um, insects like bees, and they provide a lot of that. But they don't feed, they don't provide a food for insects to eat. Um, another problem is that they don't provide an economic source, since people don't tend to make money off of these plants. Then, since they're there, taking up space, they aren't appreciated. So that's hmm. sort of where we come in is if there's an economic value to these, then we can, then that removes one problem. It, is, is it showing up in parks? Is no. it showing, where it do we find it? It doesn't grow where it's mowed. So when you mow, there's no problem. But if you have a prairie preserve and it's newly emerging, then, and there's autumn berries nearby, they might, they may infiltrate. They may come hmm. in and they might start to spread. Okay, so so what states will you find it in? Do you find it in Canada? You do. Oh, do we really? You do. You find it in southern Canada. Um, you find it in Toronto area. You find it in, um, you find it around the, the Great Lakes. Around the Great Lakes. And mm -hmm. in what states in the United States? How far? What's the spread? Also all along the Great Lakes, Michigan, Wisconsin, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, down to Kentucky, Tennessee. Wow. So, Okay. Now you are Dustin, you are out in the world. When did you get involved in figuring out that you're passionate about these plants and what they offer us? Well, I always loved being out in nature, learning about wild edibles, learning about the different plants and what you could use. And when I came here to Illinois from Texas, there was a big, beautiful forest that I could wander through. And as I went th walked through this forest for a few years, I noticed all these fruit, and I, people told me that you couldn't eat them. But then when I looked it up, I found out, wait a second, they're completely non-toxic, and the USDA has done, done studies on them to show that they are nutritious, um, edible, and possibly a good cash crop. There's actually wow. a study out there by the USDA called Autumn Olive Cash Crop. And it shows how they took the autumn olives, they planted them in Maine on a few acres, they harvested them with a Corvan 9000 blueberry harvester, and they found that you could get quite a bit of fruit from a small acre. So, 
okay, you discover these plants. Now also, what do they look like and what do these autumn olives look like? Like when I think in terms of olives, I think mm -hmm. of green or black, you mm -hmm. know, from the Mediterranean. Yeah. Is it anything like an olive? Well, one thing to know is that the autumn olive is not related to olives. The tree happens to look like an olive tree. It grows short and wide and the leaves are silver. So if you've ever been in the Mediterranean and seen a lot of olive trees or in California, that's about what they look like. They're shimmering silvery leaves. And when you get up close and look at the leaf, you'll see the underside is even more silver and has a, almost like a sparkly speckle fleck to it. You can scrape it off with your, with your fingernails to get the fleck off. And then the berries are very small, much smaller than any olive you would eat or buy. Um, they're only about the size of a pea or a little bit larger. And what color are they? Red. So they go when they ripen, they're red. That's right. They go from green to yellow and then bright red with speckles also. Hmm. So you're here in Illinois and you discover this plant. Where do you go from there? I first thought that this is a product that people would like because here I am with access to thousands of pounds of fruit on these acres that for free for free the people are happy to areas. have exactly yeah so you are, can get all this fruit that okay. is untouched no pesticides no herbicides and i thought i could make a small business i could make enough to make my own jam and maybe sell to an ice cream shop maybe sell to a brewery and i thought wow here i am in one little county in one state of of whole of north america and this exists all across the country so people could do this in all different places there's no farms of this, but there are wild plantations all across the country and Canada. So why not ha let people know about it and just see if everybody picks it up? Okay, you then, you went for it. Mm -hmm. You went for it. You said, okay, I'm going to give it a try. How did you harvest this fruit? When did you harvest it? And what do you do with it? Did you yeah. make it into gems? I did. Well, I found that through a few trials, I found first by using a, a sort of a berry rake, it didn't work so well, it's a little bit slow, and the rake will break. Then I tried hitting it with poles and on letting the berries fall onto a tarp, and that worked pretty well. But what works best of all, and the fastest, is to cut branches. So when you have a whole lot of trees and you can spare cutting back the branches, because that will impact the following year's harvest, you can cut a whole big branch that's full of berries and then hold it over a tarp or over what I call my berry catcher. It's sort of a slanted um, tarp on poles that will let the berries roll down into your bucket that has a bag liner in it. So what we did is we found by doing that we could get about 15 pounds per man hour. So if I'm out with four guys then I could get 60 pounds in an hour. And throughout a whole day with eight guys, I could go home with 500 to 600 pounds of fruit. And by doing that for about a week, pretty soon I've stored up about 2,000, 4,000, 5,000 pounds of fruit. The best way to store it we found was to freeze it. Freeze it as quick as possible after removing the leaves, the twigs, and anything else in there. We do that with either water, by dunking it in water, letting the berries sink and moving, removing the top, or by blowing off everything with a blueberry winnower. It's about a four or five thousand dollar machine that you can get from from you can get it used from blueberry growers. There's a great website called usedblueberryequipment.com where my guy Wyatt will sell you a blueberry winnower. Um, after we've gotten everything off of it, we put it into buckets and freeze it. 
And from there, the next step is a puree. Each fruit has a single seed inside. The seed is non-toxic, it's not bitter, it has a pleasant taste, but it is very fibrous. So you can put five or ten berries into your mouth and just chomp, 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 and pretty soon all the fruit has gone through your mouth and you've swallowed the fruit, but you're left with a big wad of seed, kind of like chewing gum. So that's why it doesn't really make a grocery store um, fruit as well as blueberries. You can eat 10 blueberries and there's nothing left, but you eat 10 autumn berries and you've got a wad of gum, which you could swallow or you could spit it out, but those are your options. Our other option is remove the seed with a pulper finisher or a food processor or a food mill or something else. And once you've done that, then you've got kind of a lumpy puree and the lumpy puree can be made into anything you would make a strawberry puree with. You can make cupcakes, you can make uh, ice cream frosting, you can make ice cream, you can make mead, you can ferment it into a wine, uh, you can make our jam or fruit leathers. So my, for myself, I really wanted to approach it from an artisan, craftsman, small batch processed food product, a healthy food product, because that's where I feel Autumnberry as a superfood, a domestically grown superfood, can really catch on. So I started to make jams, and pretty soon we found that it works very well with spiciness because autumn berries have something, some in common with tomatoes. Autumn berries have a lot of lycopene, and tomatoes have lyco a lot of lycopene. Uh, most lycopene supplements come from tomatoes. Autumn berries have 17 times as much lycopene as tomatoes. So when you're tasting tomatoes, you're tasting tomato fruit, but you're also tasting lycopene. And when you eat autumn berries, and especially autumn berry puree, you get a lot of that lycopene flavor. So like tomatoes, which work well within a salsa with peppers, autumn berry jam works very well with jalapenos, habaneros, any kind of pepper. Wow, okay, we're gonna go into more detail about the things you can prepare with autumn berries in just a minute. There is so much more I wanna ask you, but let's take a minute and hear a word from our sponsors. How does that sound? That sounds great. Okay, so you are listening to a special pre-recorded episode of the Urban Forestry Radio Show on realityradio101.com. I'm Susan Poisner, the author of the Fruit Tree Care book, Growing Urban Orchards, and the creator of the Fruit Tree Care Education website at orchardpeople.com. And we'll be back after this short break. In healthy soil, there's so much activity going on. Microorganisms thrive, and good bacteria feed on sugars that seep out of plant and tree roots. In return, these bacteria transform nutrients in the soil into fertility that our plants can enjoy. But what if you don't have perfect soil? Those friendly bacteria may not be active, and your plants and trees may not thrive. There is a solution, though. Earth Alive Soil Activator is an organic biofertilizer that contains three carefully selected bacterial strains that will make nutrients in the soil available to your plants. And your plant or tree will thank you with better growth and a better harvest. Earth Alive Soil Activator has been shown to boost yields in crops including avocados, grapes, strawberries, and even guavas. Go to earthalivect.com to learn more about it and let our friendly bacteria bring your growing spaces back to life.
Looking for a quick, easy to apply and all natural fertilizer to use in your vegetable and flower gardens or for your fruit trees? Why not work with Mother Nature? Layer Hand Manure is a terrific fertilizer, and this is what Actisol does by transforming the manure from their egg farms into an efficient fertilizer. The manure is dried using a technology that harnesses the heat given off by the hands. No other heat source is needed. Actisol is easy to use, safe for the environment, children and pets. You can purchase Actisol products at your local garden center or order in bulk. For more information, visit www.acti-sol.ca. Actisol, the mother hen fertilizer. If you're an arborist, master gardener, or landscaper who's keen to learn fruit tree care skills, check out orchardpeople.com's Certificate in Beginner Fruit Tree Care. Not only does our intensive online training give you the skills you need, but we'll also give you a certificate that you can use to claim continuing education credits from the International Society of Arboriculture and from other professional bodies. Learn more about continuing education at orchardpeople.com by visiting orchardpeople.com slash workshops. Welcome back to the Urban Forestry Radio Show with your host, Susan Poisner, right here on Reality Radio 101. And now, right back to Susan. You're listening to the Urban Forestry Radio Show on RealityRadio101.com. In this show, we talk about the good things in life like fruit trees, food forests, permaculture, and arboriculture. And I'm Susan Poisner. Now, in today's show, I am talking to Dustin Kelly, who is telling me about autumn olives. It's actually an exotic or invasive plant in North America, but it also has a big upside. It produces highly nutritious fruit that can be used in jams, jellies, fruit leathers, and all sorts of good stuff. Now, Dustin, in the first part of the show, you told me a little bit about how you got involved in working with autumn olives. You stumbled upon them during a walk, you researched, you figured out, wow, these things are edible and they can be delicious. And you started to think about, can I turn this into a business? So let's talk from there. You decided to test some recipes. What is the best way to for me to process and to actually sell the product? And you were talking about how, well, you can make autumn olives into a sweet jam. You might want to make it into a spicy jam. Mm-hmm. So is it more of a jam or a salsa kind of thing that you're making it into? Well, the spicy jam is salsa sweet. The original jam, we basically use the same level of sweetness for all three of our jams. We use a standard amount of, because in order to make a jam work, the pectin has to have the sugar. It has to combine there in order to tie up the water and make it into a shelf-stable jam. 
Um, if you wanted to do a sugar-free jam, I would look into chia because if you take just any amount of fruit, even sourish fruit, that has a very low sugar amount, you can add chia seeds and it will tie up the water also and then you can put it into the fridge. It won't be shelf stable unless you do a certain process to it. Then you could add stevia, you could add agave, you could add any of your, any sweetener that you're interested in or no sweetener at all just to make a fruit spread. Wow. So let's go back to your story. You have learned, and we talked a little bit about the first part, in the first part of the show, you learned how to harvest large amounts of this stuff. You learned that you needed to freeze it quickly in order to keep it fresh, keep the nutrients, and you learned some recipes to cook it into some jams. Did you, when did you start to sell it? I mean, I have this image of you with a huge freezer full of this stuff and maybe making some jams and like, what do I do with this stuff? Where did you take it from there? We took them to the farmer's market. Our town has a wonderful farmer's market in Champaign-Urbana. It's called Market at the Square. I think it has about 25 or 30 years of history in the same location. And it's a great place for producer, producer vendors. Um, the first year, we only got about 300 pounds. So that fit in a chest freezer without much trouble. And we made our own jams. We got, a, we got some recipes, we got jars, we got pectin at the grocery store, and we just started whipping it together. Um, we saw that there was another jam maker at the, at the market who was making pineapple habanero and strawberry and blueberry lavender and all these exciting combination flavors. And he knew of autumn olives and had actually harvested autumn olives before. So we said, hey, would you be interested in making us a small batch? I think your jam might be better than ours. And he was fine. He, was, he loved it. So we gave him the fruit, paid him for the processing, and that was our first work with a vendor with a co-packer. Now, financially, was it profitable? I mean, it's great that you can get the autumn olives for free out in nature, mm -hmm. but you have to pay him to make your jam. I mean, how, were you making any money at all in yeah. the beginning? Yeah, it can. Um, how much did the jam sell for? Jam sells for about five or six dollars. Okay. Yeah, and the fruit, when we figured out on a, on a small scale, you know, the cost is pretty negligible. It's you getting out there and, you know, picking some berries, put it in the freezer. But at a little bit larger, when you start to hire people, then there's a real cost. It's no longer it's no longer free. So we like to pay, you know, ten dollars an hour, a little more than you know minimum wage, and people are happy to get out there and spend days out in the sunshine, out in the shade of the of the autumn olive forest, doing something they've never done before. And what we found at fifteen pounds per hour or ten pounds per hour, anywhere in there, it would cost us about two dollars per pound. So to do a medium, medium to large sized harvest, it's going to cost about $2 per pound to put the fairies in the freezer. Hmm. Then from there to process them, um, our co-packer, our current co-packer is about a dollar per jar. So when you send him a thousand pounds and he makes a hundred cases, he's charging me about $12 per case. And that's a case of 12 jars, 11 ounces per jar. So now I've got two dollars of fruit but each jar only takes about a half a pound of jar of fruit so that's about a dollar of fruit in each jar a dollar for the a dollar for the jar and the packing and then the label the label's about 30 cents that's that's expensive um so you're getting five dollars and you're spending 250 250 yeah perfect okay when did you form your company? What is your company called? Our company is called Autumnberry Inspired. 
because like I said before the break, really my hope was that it, this would be the first of its kind and it would inspire a widespread use of this fruit. I really wanted to create a cooperative would be the best, to find a network of growers who would be interested in supplying the fruit, to create one centralized brand with good label, good logo, good website that other growers would be interested in using um, and borrowing or, or paying for. Either way, it, I knew that if I just stayed one person doing it by myself, then it wouldn't really survive. But if 10 people across the country or across also Canada picked it up and said, wow, I've got this 100 acres in my back. Grandma has 100 acres in her back. My neighbor has 100 acres in his back. And he doesn't want them. He doesn't like them. And when I go over there and harvest them, I, I give that farmer, my neighbor, a smaller population. I give him lanes through his population. I give him little patches of green areas inside of his jungle that he can then utilize. So I want to clarify here. When people are harvesting, they're cutting off branches. Yes. Which means they're actually slowing down the growth of these invasive plants. Right. So you're not telling people, hey, go plant these in your garden. You no. don't necessarily want that to happen. But if you happen to have them, you know, a local person will come in, cut some paths through, cut mm -hmm. off some branches, take away the fruit and use it. That's right. So you're helping the the land, the homeowner mm -hmm. or the person with the, the acreage of the plant that it doesn't want in the yes. back and you are and you and your colleagues are going to be earning a good living from right. it and using the fruit so essentially you're conquering the autumn olive by eating it that's right right we said if we can't beat it let's eat it if we can't beat it let's eat it <laughs> i right. love that that makes so much sense okay so, so to reinforce yeah. what we just said i would explicitly say don't plant this in your yard because if you do plant this in yard, there's a good chance, it's documented, that it might show up in your neighbor's yards, it might show up in the back area of the school or the prairie nearby, and you would be to blame. So we always want to avoid planting small bit portions of this or, or large acreage. I believe in my heart that you could plant in a greenhouse or you could plant it and cover it, but overall those costs are just not going to be worth it. Plus, in most states in the United States, it's illegal to plant the species. So we avoid doing that, and we want to educate people that planting and spreading this species is not the way to go. Instead, we should look at the populations that are already there and consume them. Now, we're talking about, you said, cutting paths into these properties where there are a lot of autumn olives. Is there something you would plant there instead? Is there a way that we can actually conquer that space or reclaim it for nature? I native would, plants? Uh, it's all in the theoretical stage right now. I've been working at it some to try to beat it back. Um, I think a good ground cover would be a good start, something that is good to tread on and gets people encouraged to be out there. And we'll also maybe you want to keep out the brambles because once you start to cut down the autumn olives, then all sorts of black raspberries and blackberries start to come up and also make it harder to get through. I've thought about funguses. Maybe there's a way to inject funguses into the trees that would then turn them into growing edible uh, mushroom farms as they slowly decay the tree and let it die and fall down. So there's some good research for somebody if any of the listeners are actually, you know, scientists. I mean, that would be a really good thing to develop. Now, yeah. back to your idea of a collective. I'll ask you one more question, then sure. we'll go for some more commercials. But if somebody listening to the show thinks, hey, I know or I can find some autumn olives in my community, 
I can do this and I can work with Dustin. Like, how would that look and how could they reach out to you? Well, they could find me through my website, www.autumnberryinspired.com. We also have a Facebook page with the same name. Um, my email, my phone number's up there. Go ahead and reach out to me. The agree, the, in order to buy and sell fruit would be depending on how, the, how far it is in one way. If you're up in Canada, it might not be practical. Instead, it might be more practical for me to license my logo to you so that you can use it. Um, you can borrow and buy the labels from me, and we can go from there. Well, we've got a lot of listeners in the United States as well. So mm-hmm. if they're in the States, yeah. they reach out to you, mm-hmm. and you would figure out how to get the autumn berries to your processing center. Is that Or to it? their own processing center. My co-packer in southern Illinois is fantastic. Country Kettle is a great place to process. But if you're in upstate New York... It might not make sense. There might be a perfectly good jam maker there who would take your fruit, process it with using the same recipe, make the same kind of jams, and then sell those into your local markets. These do do really well in co-op grocery stores, health food stores, artisan food stores. And if you're close to a major population like New York or Chicago, the, the big stores will love them. You can get them in there and urban people love this kind of thing. Oh, it's a fantastic product. Um, so, um, yeah, so let's just, how about this? Yes. Let's take a commercial break. Okay. Let's listen to some, com- some commercials, and we'll chat a little bit more afterwards. Um, yeah, I think that's the way to go. So, you're listening to the Urban Forestry Radio Show. This is a pre-recorded episode, and yet it's still going out on realityradio101.com. If you have missed an earlier part of this interview, you can find it in the podcast um, at orchardpeople.com podcast, where you can get all our previous episodes. I'm Susan Poisner from the Fruit Tree Care Education website, orchardpeople.com. And we're going to be back after this short break. If you're thinking of planting fruit trees and you're looking for a wide selection of cultivars, consider Wiffle Tree Nursery. Our 62-page full-color catalog includes over 300 varieties of fruit and nut trees, berries, grapes, and other edible perennial plants. Not only that, in our catalog, we help you through the selection process with tips and advice about all aspects of growing fruit trees. You can learn about adding nitrogen-fixing plants, rootstock choices, and even about planting a windbreak if you have a windy site. We're a one-stop shop as we sell fruit tree care books, pruning tools, organic sprays, and natural fertilizers. We're located in Alora, Ontario, but we can ship all over Canada. Call us at 519-669-1349 to order your catalog. That's 519-669-1349. Wiffle Tree Nursery. Call us today. Hi, I'm Mark Cullen with some news about a wonderful lineup of garden supplies and garden tools that will absolutely knock your gardening socks off. They're called Mark's Choice, and they're exclusive to home hardware, 1,100 stores coast to coast to coast. Mark's Choice features 
great quality products that will not only last years, but in some cases will last a lifetime. Look for my various garden gloves, stainless steel garden tools, stainless steel digging tools, my new garden backhoe, and many, many others. As a matter of fact, there's over 160 different products in the Mark's Choice lineup. I'd love you to try them all, but start by sampling one that appeals to you. Drop by your local home hardware, have a look at the Mark's Choice lineup of tools and garden supplies, including my line of garden soils, and decide for yourself. Great quality lasting quality, and a great gardening experience. That's what I strive for with Mark's Choice. Look for it at Home Hardware. Welcome back to the Urban Forestry Radio Show with your host, Susan Poisner, right here on Reality Radio 101. And now, right back to Susan. You're listening to the Urban Forestry Radio Show on RealityRadio101.com. And I'm Susan Poisner, author of the Fruit Tree Care book, Growing Urban Orchards, and creator of the Fruit Tree Care training website, orchardpeople.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. So in this episode, I'm chatting with Dustin Kelly of Illinois, who has taken an invasive plant and turned it into a business. And that plant is autumn olives. And he, Dustin, is turning its nutritious berries into great edible products that he sells. So earlier in the show, we were talking about a, that you make these jams. You have three flavors. Tell me what the flavors are. Well, the original is just autumn berries. Autumn berries sweetened with white cane sugar. Then we added jalapeno for the jalapeno heat. It's mildly spicy, but overall very comfortable for everybody, even people sensitive to spice. And then habanero is a little more fiery. It has quite a kick. It has some burn at the end. And people who really like spicy really love it. So how do you serve these jams? I mean, would you just put them on toast or? Mm -hmm. It's great on toast, waffles. You can mix it into your ice cream. You can actually make ice cream. You can make autumnberry ice cream in a small ice cream maker by adding jam to your ice cream base. Um, Past that, I mean, anywhere you would use a jam. Huh. Okay. And you also make uh, fruit leathers, which I yes. tasted, which was quite tasty. Thank you. Yeah. So what? how do you make those? Well, when we were making the jam, I realized I wanted a product that was easier to ship and something I could make on small batches and something without sugar. So I, I experimented for quite a while using autumn berries, apples, and even small amounts of aronia to create a what I felt was a very tasty, um, better than a fruit roll-up fruit snack. And so what we did was we found that about one portion berry to two portions apple works really well. Straight uh, autumn berry all the way is crispy. It doesn't have much flexibility to it. And it's also really, really tart. Too tart for much many people to enjoy. But when you use two parts apple, one part berry, you get something that's really nice. We add a little bit of chia seed because chia seed is a great nutritional source. It also helps tie up the water and helps it dry better. And we add a little bit of honey and a little bit of lemon juice for tartness and also preservation. What we did is, what I found was that this works well with autumn berries or just about any other fruit, um, any other strong, dark berry. So it works well with aronia, 
Aronia is a delicious fruit, chokeberry, but it's hard to enjoy fresh, right off the bush. Um, we've made aronia, bear, aronia fruit leather, red currant fruit leather, elderberry fruit leather. It works well with all of these. Um, at once you've made your smoothie, mix it up in a, in a mixer, then you can spread it out thin and dry it in a dehydrator for about 14 hours. Once it is dry to the touch and there's nothing moving around, you can flip it over, make sure both sides are dry, and you can cut it with a pizza cutter. Yeah. Wow, that is such a nice treat. Yeah. Very delicious oh, as well. Oh, one yes. other point to that, you can also top it with seeds. Top it with seeds before yeah. you dehydrate before it. Before you dry it. And they will embed themselves in there. So you mm -hmm. can drop, you after you've made your smoothie and spread it out thin, you can throw pumpkin seeds, sunflower seeds, cheese seeds, flax seeds, anything on there. Even you could put chocolate chips or mango slices, dried apples, and they will embed themselves in the fruit leather. When they dry, you've got this beautiful piece of art. I want to come to your house and try the one with chocolate chips. How's yeah. that sound? We can do that. <laughs> we can do that. So... Okay, so now you started this in what year? What was the year? Uh, 2012. 2012. So you must have produced a lot of jars of jam since we then. We have, yeah. We've sold probably about 4,000 jars of jam. So where do, you, where do you see this going from here? From here, I think that it's something that would be nice if it grew up into a giant company, but it's probably not really so easy to scale without a farm. That's the challenge is that... Every big food producer, once you go into the food world, they say, okay, well, wow, this is delicious, this is a great idea, but how are we going to get 100,000 pounds next year? And I look at it and I say, wow, that would be quite challenging. I would have to find five or six producers, farmers across the country who could get those from their local areas Without planting the plant. Without planting the plant. Yeah. And I know it can be done. It can be, Large harvests were done in Virginia and Tennessee. But it's, it means that you'd have to be traveling to the different places to ensure the, the quality. And yet your idea of having partnerships yeah. is amazing, where your partner makes money, you guys make money, and you're bringing this amazing product out to the world. Yeah. Now, one thing that I was wondering, the autumn olive, it partly spreads because birds eat the seeds, and then they you know eat the berries, they drop the seeds, and a new plant grows. So... Do autumn olive berries always taste the same? Are they always tasty? Um, well, generally, generally when they're ripe, they're pretty tasty. Uh, fresh off the bush, they might be a new taste for you, and they can also be astringent. One thing to look for is that the fruit is sweeter and better after the cold comes, and especially after a freeze. But in my area, you can't really wait for a freeze. That might not come until November, and by then the fruit has largely shriveled, fallen, been eaten by birds. So instead, we just wait until cool weather comes. And, and that's when the harvest that's is. That's usually when we want to do it. And that's why they're called autumn olives. That's right. So that's a nice time to do it. So basically, but because of the genetic diversity, it might not taste the same in Georgia as it does in Illinois. Mm -hmm. It might not taste the same in, you know, a neighboring, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever acreage than it is to yours because these are actually genetically different. That's right. And some might be plants. more productive and people go out to their trees and say, this tree doesn't make anything and ah. this one does. Sometimes some years the trees take a break. They mast. Right. They wait. So don't go ahead and not count that tree as a bad tree. It might just be taking a break for a year or two. Um, you kind of just got to watch them, which is one of the benefits of working with autumn berries is you get to know not just the trees you planted, not just the plum that you bought from the, from the hardware store. You also get to know what's wild out there. 
and see how they grow and look at the trunk and say, wow, this tree grew all by itself for 10 or 15 years at even though nobody was watering it. So, nobody fed it. No, no fertility no, management. None no. of all of that. that. These trees are so vital. They have all this wild energy in them. And that's why I think they're, they can be a very, very good food source. Well, it makes total sense, doesn't it? Yeah. If they can thrive on so li- little, mm-hmm. then if we eat the berries, maybe we get those benefits as well. Yeah. So remind us again, if people want to partner with you, if they want to learn more, where do they go? Uh, go to the website, www.autumnberryinspired.com. You can email me at planetdustin at gmail.com. Uh, you can call me, text me, and we'll start to discuss. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of opportunity in this. I Even if you just want me as a coach just to answer a few questions about saying, uh, well, what is the best way to process? What's the best way to harvest? I've got a lot of takes on that. Oh, that is so uh, wonderful, and I'm really glad that you spent the time to talk to us. Sure. Or if you'd like to buy some cases, if you happen to have a grocery store, or know somebody with a grocery store who might like these products, we can ship them in the mail. Um, We can ship jars of jam or fruit leather. That's great. So then you have enough that you Uh could actually put them. Oh, that's Oh, yeah. Well, we're in several stores right now. Like which stores? If I wanted to buy. (laughs) Just our local area. Local area. In the the Champaign-Urbana area, we have them in the Common Ground Food Co-op, Strawberry Fields, the Harvest Market. We're at the pizza shop. We're at a few places. And also our ice cream is for sale at the Red Bicycle uh, Ice Cream Shop on Windsor Avenue. And we were in a few stores in Chicago even, Standard Market and uh, Chicago Local Foods. But we haven't really gone to a big distributor to spread them out wide because we just don't really have that. Because you're waiting for listeners to this show. That's right. To contact you so you to guys contact can make lots me. and lots. That's and right. Really because once difference. you tell me that you've got 20 acres and you've got a, a little barn where you can harvest them, then we, you could put... 20,000 pounds in your freezer and with your food processor we can make jam and we can get that distribution that we need. Oh, fantastic. Alrighty, well thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you, Susan. And good luck with your project and goodbye for now. Alright, thank you. That was Dustin Kelly. I'm so glad he came on the show today. And that's all for this pre-recorded episode of the Urban Forestry Radio Show. It has been so great to have you as a listener. Now, if you want to learn more about fruit trees and food forests, why not head over to my website at orchardpeople.com. There you can download my free ebook about growing fruit trees. You can read my blog and listen to previous episodes of the show. Does that sound good? I hope so. I'll be back again with another fantastic guest next month. So do remember to tune in. Have a great month, everybody, and I'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Urban Forestry Radio Show on Reality Radio 101. To learn more about the show and to download the podcast where I cover lots more great topics, you can visit orchardpeople.com podcast. The show is broadcast live on the last Tuesday of every month. And each time I have great new guests talking to me about fruit trees, food forests, and arboriculture. If you're interested in learning more about growing your own fruit trees, 
or just about living a more sustainable life, go to orchardpeople.com and sign up for my information-packed monthly newsletter. If you like this show, please do like our Orchard People Facebook page. You can also follow me on Twitter at at Urban Fruit Trees. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's been wonderful to have you as a listener, and I hope to see you again next time. Thank you for listening to the Urban Forestry Radio Show with your host, Susan Poisner, right here on Reality Radio 101.